0: sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer all lowercase that's shopify.com slash special offer just letting you know the audio is messed up just temporarily and then we're back in business let's get down to business shall we Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that Well, it's done. It's uh, in the books, officially. Malcolm Reed did do the podcast with me uh, just earlier today at about uh, 10 o'clock. So, again, that'll be out on uh, Monday. Just talking, grilling, and whatnot. It probably wouldn't have been a bad Sunday thing, but um, we're going to wait till Monday. Also, some pretty good and exciting news. Um, first of all, thank you very much to Roger Davis for his uh, big donation to the Palmer Home for Children. And I was just going to come on here and do the podcast and say, hey, we're about 25 bucks away. If somebody wants to throw it on $25, then um, my match will be at what I said I would max out at $200. Bucks. So if we can get $25, then um, I'll be able to match that at $200. I come downstairs and refresh it. Mr. Henry Baker donated $25 to the Palmer Home for Children, so we are at $200. So I added my $200 on top of that. We are currently at $868 raised for the Palmer Home for Children. Um, Mr. Malcolm Reed, in his entirety, is at $17,759 out of $20,000. I don't really have, a, I set it for 5000 just because I don't ever want to set it too low and people are like, oh, he hit his goal. It's like, no, no, the goal is as much as possible. However, there is a big goal in here. The top five people to raise money get to go hang out with Malcolm Reed in Mississippi in November, and I wouldn't mind taking the family on a little vacation. The guy in fifth place right now has $1,100. So we're about 300 bucks away we have until, I think, Labor Day. I'm assuming he's going to get a couple more donations, but just, we're hot on his heels. Let's let's see if you got any think those uh what are they I might put them to good use myself but (laughs) the child tax credits are rolling around pretty quick here so I'm not saying I'm just saying anyways um so again as we get closer every time something happens it's always very minor but it always points me in the direction of Aaron Rodgers is definitely coming back and I know I'm probably building you up too much and if he doesn't um come back people are going to be very mad at me they're going to take it out at me personally I'm going to get negative reviews I'm going to get borderline death threats, because people are unstable, especially with stuff like this. I've seen it before. Um, when I say the Packers are going to win and they don't, the crybabies are uns- just unbelievable. But the latest on Aaron Rodgers, um, I don't know where he is. He's out just hanging out somewhere again. But he's got the handlebar mustache. Now, when he comes back to training camp, he always comes back goofy. He looks to me, again, he's training with football players right now. So he's getting in shape to play. He's not getting in shape to retire. right? He left Hawaii. Granted, he's still got some stuff going on with the golf and whatnot, but he's he's out there training, and uh, now he's getting the goofy mustache thing going. And um, on top of that, I just had something. Let's see if I swiped away the notification like a dummy or if it's still here. Oh, so he was at another golf thing, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. No comment. Uh, during the American Century Championship, this is via PFT. Um, not our buddy. This is uh, Cherian Williams, but. Um, During the American Century Championship Celebrity Golf Tournament in Tahoe on Sunday, Rogers was asked about his future. Quote, I'm going to enjoy the heck out of this week. It's not really a quote, but that's what I'm going to call it. Um, And I'm going to get back to working out and figuring things out in a couple weeks. Um, Now, I know if you take that super literally, it means he doesn't know yet. There isn't that much to figure out. And and the, the only two options he really has are really drastic. But first of all, Let's think about the fact that he's going to go figure it out. He can't figure out how to trade himself. That's not an option. It doesn't sound to me like a guy who feels like he has options or or currently is in negotiation and, and sort of we'll see how things shake out. He didn't say we'll see how things shake out because I'm in intense negotiation with the Green Bay Packers right now. In fact, we haven't heard a word about negotiations in a long time. We heard a long time ago about the Packers meeting with Aaron Rodgers, calling Aaron Rodgers, talking with him constantly. We haven't heard much about that very recently. Sounds like a guy who has an offer on the table, who is going to decide between retirement... Yeah, right. <laughs> stupid. ...or rejoining the Green Bay Pack. So, and again, I, I think he has his mind made up. That's what I think. And I I tend to think that him saying, well, I got to go think it over for a little bit, is just his way of saying, I don't know, which is his way of saying, leave me alone. But again, everything is just sort of getting back to like, let's, let's ease into this, right? Everything's becoming lighthearted. Right, because when when things were earlier on, when things were not good, things were contentious, all the way up to and including the whole. It's about the people. That was contentious. It was tough, right? The the interviews with Mark Murphy, with Brian Gudikunz, with Matt Lafleur. It was contentious. It was uncomfortable. It was sounding hostile and, and dangerous and all this stuff. And now everything's just laid back. Everything's just chill. It's all just good fun, man. I got my handlebar mustache. What are you freaking out? Just relax. Even ESPN is sort of getting in on the act. I, I really don't want to play this because it's so horrible. But uh, ESPN did release a video. it says, It says, Celeb's Hysterical Commentary uh, rumor Rogers Mill hits the ESPYS. So I guess, oh, this must have been the whatever. Who watches these award shows? Is there are there five people that watch the ESPYS? What what is wrong with you if you watch that? Any any of them? The, any of those shows? It's just I don't get it. But especially the ESPYS. What the heck? I, I've never watched that in my life. When I was a kid, we would watch. The like the movie and TV show ones. And it was kind of like a thing, but it was also back in the time when you got like six channels and what else are you going to do? So you watch them, do the award shows, and it's probably movies that you saw because that's back when, you know, going to the movie theater was kind of a big deal and movie releases were kind of a big deal. It wasn't like, you know, I don't know. I'm just saying. But there was some kind of a montage. It's the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. But I'll I'll just play a snippet just so you get an idea of what I'm talking about as far as things just starting to feel more relaxed and lighthearted as though the NFL as a whole um, is starting to understand the situation. Just, it's just getting more chill. It's just a more relaxed environment. We're, we're sort of transitioning to a smooth land. It was a, it was a rocky flight and we're trying to have a smooth landing. And the landing is Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Here is the most cringy garbage of the day. I heard he's taken Gronk's spot. On the party boat, not on our roster. I heard Aaron Rodgers is going to act. Not like in movies or TV or anything, but I think he's going to act like he wants to stay in Green Bay a little bit longer before he leaves. I heard Aaron Rodgers is taking over for Chuck Norris. Is that true? Take over for Chuck Norris doing what, dummy? What What is Chuck Norris doing right now? Is he even doing Bowflex commercials anymore? Or whatever that thing is, that little slidey chair that he did 30 years ago? Take over for Chuck Norris doing what? I, I'm just saying it was a stupid joke. that's, and that was the best acting of those three clips. But the poor guy read a joke that doesn't even make sense. Ch- take over doing what? Like, is he going to be like the the new joke? Like, Aaron Rodgers can dribble a bowling ball. Aaron Rodgers calendar goes straight from March 31st to April 2nd because nobody fools Aaron Rodgers. Is that? I mean, is that what we're talking about? Because that's I don't I don't know what Chuck. I got. I'm gonna go. What is he doing right now? Stupid joke. Stupid. So, anyways, again, lighthearted, dumb, but lighthearted. I'm just glad I didn't have to see the scenes where they cut to the audience and people are pretending to laugh like, oh, <laughs> oh boy, acting like he wants to stay in Green Bay. That was. It's just painful. But anyways, that's been your Aaron Rodgers report of the day. Just watching this uh, Christian Yelich thing. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know the rules like the, the how strict you are in baseball, but he he flinched, man. He flinched. He thought about it. Can you can you be out for thinking about it cuz he thought about it? Um semi well not semi, extremely serious news, but not something I want to go super in depth on. Um some pretty serious news for Frank Clark and even more serious news for Mr. Barcavius Mingo. Uh Frank Clark for his weapons charges could be facing up to three years in prison. Barcavius Mingo, I don't really even super want to talk about it, but I'll just throw out the word enticement and let you know that it's more serious than that, but you know, that's kind of what we're talking about. So he's, he's out of the NFL, and it sounds like, depending on the exact circumstances, he's going to be in prison for a very, very long time. So um, I don't necessarily expect Frank Clark to spend three years in prison because the guy's got a ton of money, and that's usually how that works. But um, he, there's a very good chance, I would say, that he will not be playing for the um, for the Chiefs this year, which, you know, I feel weird even bringing up the whole thing about how they're going to regress this year, but that doesn't help. Let's just say that. So, again, pretty serious news, and that's a it's a big blow. Not as much, I mean, it's a huge blow for Barcavius Mingo, obviously, in his life and his family. But for the Falcons, I mean, the Falcons are just bad, and Barcavius was not that good anyways, so whatever. Frank Clark, again, overrated. He really is overrated. He's been overrated this whole time. He's always been overrated. But he's the best that they have off the edge, and it's not even close. So that's a blow, especially for a team that's taken a huge hit on their offensive line. Now they've taken a hit on their defensive line. Um, Their confidence, I think the biggest thing, honestly, for them is that their confidence has been shaken. And so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Again, don't really want to get super into details because... I don't know. It's it's kind of outside of the realm of football a little bit. Sometimes I do, depending on what it is. But this is these are pretty serious. So I'm just I'll keep my comments to myself until we get some more information. But suffice it to say, it's pretty serious. Um, I, I guess I'll get my one. I'll get this autoplay thing to stop here. There's a Chrome thing to stop that. I got to figure out what it is. There's an article that I was leaving out yesterday because I said we've gone long enough, but I kind of wanted to squeeze it in so that I didn't have to be all complainy every single day. But there was another article by another website and another guy that just has to go ahead and ruffle our feathers. And I knew as soon as I saw the title that I was going to be upset. You ready for this title? This is uh, CBS NFL, CBSSports.com, Brian DiArdo. Three teams that helped their quarterback the most and three the least in 2021. As soon as I saw that, I said, you son of, you little guy there. Just don't, just don't do it. And then you look at the picture. Guess who? Aaron Rodgers right on the front. And again, I'll say what I've been saying this whole week, which is just me being mad at people. It's all about lazy narrative. That's all it is. It's lazy narrative. This is not people doing their own homework. This is not well-researched. This is, if you ask people... Who has helped their quarterback the least? A massive majority of of people will say Aaron Rodgers has been helped the least. Why? Because he's the only guy that gets talked about in that context. So it's just, it's it's like Pavlov's dog. You hear don't help quarterback, and like a picture of Aaron Rodgers pouting on the sideline just comes flashing into your brain, right? Clip after clip after clip of how long it's been since the Packers have drafted a first-round wide receiver, like 1921 or something stupid. But sure enough, three teams that have helped their quarterback the least, the New Orleans Saints, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Green Bay Packers. How does it start? You can basically just clip this right after the first sentence. A year after trading up to select quarterback Jordan Love, so there's your dig, right? It's not it's not just a random nothing throwaway line. That's on purpose. A year after trading up to select quarterback Jordan Love with the 23rd overall pick, the Packers declined to select a receiver in the first round of the 20, for the 20th straight year during the 2021 draft. The tunnel vision is unbelievable. The tunnel vision is... This is embarrassing. It really is embarrassing. First of all, they did get him help. They re-signed pretty much everybody but Corey Lindsley, and they replaced him with a second-round pick, right? And again, we've talked about all this a thousand times. But they drafted Amari Rodgers, they drafted a center, and they drafted a corner. Just so you know... Helping Aaron Rodgers is bigger than getting him a wide receiver in the first round. You want to help Aaron Rodgers put a good team around him. Put a good team around him. They lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers largely. I would say the biggest reason is because of our number two cornerback and the Green Bay Packers decided, considering wide receiver was at no point in the 2020 season, at no point was wide receiver the problem on this team. They made the evaluation, rightly so, that replacing the guy who was squarely responsible, not not solely, but squarely, like dead center of responsibility, putting his head on the chopping block and going and getting a replacement for Kevin King. That was their number one priority. Why? Because they want Aaron Rodgers, the whole team, they want Aaron Rodgers to step foot on the field to play for a Super Bowl, and they'd like to win it. And because the Green Bay Packers are not run by complete idiots, like people who write for CBSSports.com, they recognize that what you need to do is build a quality roster, find a quality head coach, all these little things. That was the biggest problem that they identified, and one of their favorite corners was available at the end of the the, uh, first round, and so that's who they went up and got. Then in the second round, they made it a priority to replace the center that they let go, who is a major part of this offense, and it's incredibly important that you get a good center to protect Aaron Rodgers. They absolutely did help Aaron Rodgers by making that a priority, and then in the third round, they went up and got Amari Rodgers, who was a wide receiver that they felt would have been a good value in the second round. Just so we're clear, every single one of those picks, and every pick that's been made ever, has been made with the intention of helping Aaron Rodgers right? If we assume Aaron Rodgers is the focal point of this team, he is the thing that makes this thing go. He is the the, the centerpiece for the Green Bay Packers. Every single piece that you build around him is, is put on the team with the express purpose of helping him to help you to win a Super Bowl. Whether it is a defensive tackle, a cornerback, a wide receiver, a tight end, whatever it is. The obsession, the psychotic and stupid obsession with a, not just a wide receiver, because again, they did draft a wide receiver. The psychotic obsession with first round wide receivers is so painfully ridiculous. It's just, it's beyond absurd. I I don't have words. Again, we've talked about this before, but a big part of the reason the Green Bay Packers haven't prioritized wide receiver is because they don't need to. When was the last time, I'm dead serious, when was the last time you looked at the Green Bay Packers and said, this team just doesn't have wide receivers? For some of you, it was recently. For some of you, it's been like, you know, five minutes ago. Because having the best wide receiver in football just isn't quite good enough. But I'm serious, when was the last time it was it was similar to, you know, when we had Randall and Rollins or linebacker since forever, where you just look at it and like, dude, we just cannot get, I mean, we've had it with linebacker, we've had it with defensive tackle, we've had it with edge, We've had it with tight ends since basically forever, since Bubba Franks. I'm just saying. I don't know why I'm obsessed with Bubba Franks. I just am. Um, obviously, we've had it with safety. I mean, the 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 year of M.D. Jennings was just as brutal as it gets. No offense to Mr. Jennings. I'm just saying it was that was that was bad. And we went on and got haha. Clinton Dix. We've had times where you look li- running back. If I didn't say that, where it's like, dude, we you know we just we don't have a. We'd be nice to just get a stud. We don't have a stud. When was the last time? When you just looked at it and said, this team just doesn't have a wide receiver, should we look? Because I'm, I'm dead serious. There probably was a, a little glimmer of a period at some point, but I don't remember in my lifetime. So obviously, we'd have to go back prior to because you got Devontae, and then prior to Devontae, you got Jordy, and then prior to, you know, so, I mean, if we go back to what, 2010, start there and see where we're at, 2009 so, obviously, we still got Jennings and Driver, and, and we we also did, draft, I think Jordy was 2009, and James Jones, so nope. 2007, we had Jennings and Driver, and we got Driver, I think, in 1999, but maybe him by himself wouldn't be quite enough, so, I mean, our lads only goes back to, uh, I mean, I'd have to, let's see, pro football reference, maybe. So, 2006, we had Jennings and Driver, Driver was at 1,300 yards that year. And then, oh, and then uh, 2005, you had, uh, Donald Driver kind of was the only guy, but again, 1,200 yards, so I don't know, maybe you're kind of, I don't really remember at that time, like, freaking out, because we also had Amon Green, we did have Bubba Franks, you had, uh, I mean, the other wide receivers were Ferguson and Chapman, but I just, I don't remember how dominant Driver was, I feel like he was quite dominant. If he wasn't, then you would probably say 2005. But if you just go back to 2004, you have Javon Walker and Donald Driver. Javon Walker had almost 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns. Donald Driver had 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns. If we go back to 1999, I think that was his first year. We had Antonio Freeman at almost 1,100 yards and six touchdowns. Bill Schroeder, uh, 1,051 yards and five touchdowns. That was also with Dorsey Levens there. Mark Chamura was on the team. 1998, you had Antonio Freeman, who was a pro bowler, first team all pro with 1,400 yards. Mark Chimura was a pro bowler. Let's skip a little bit. I mean, you get back into 1994, and now you're getting into Sterling Sharp territory, slash Robert Brooks. Sterling Sharp in 1994 had 1,100 yards and 18 touchdowns. I mean, I I don't remember 1988 because I was, you know, two years old. But you did still have Sterling Sharp, but he had 791 yards. So I don't know if just because, you know, Don Mikowski just wasn't great or maybe Sterling wasn't quite on par, but maybe this is around the last. So basically, comfortably in the last 30 years, wide receiver has never really needed to be a massive focal point for the Green Bay Packers. In the same span of time, the quarterback hasn't been a massive emphasis for the Packers for a reason. But nobody really questions it. In fact, we take a first-round quarterback and everyone's like, you bunch of idiots. You already got it taken care of. What are you doing? But yet, with wide receiver, we can't figure it out. Like, I don't know why they won't do it. It's so weird. Explain that to me. Well, because there's more than one wide receiver spot. It's still not a priority, though, is it? Why is it a priority? And and I'm not going to go through the whole list of teams. Teams like Buffalo, who have one really good wide receiver and nobody cares that it's just one guy. Nobody cares. In fact, their GM is the most brilliant human being on the planet because he went out and got that one guy. He's a genius. He's, he's brilliant. Nobody's trashing him for not getting a first-round wide receiver. Nobody. Because they have Stephon Diggs. So there you go. That's all you need. Just need one really good guy. Unless you have the best in football, then, then you need a, a really good number two guy for some stupid reason. And again, I'm not opposed to it, but it's just the whole thing is just so tiring. But he goes on to say, and... and Uh, Green Bay did spend a third-round pick on former Clemson wideout Amari Rodgers, but that apparently wasn't enough to help convince Aaron Rodgers to attend last month's mandatory minicamp. The Packers also waited until the seventh round to take a running back. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to cry. I'm just going to... I I don't want to get people fired, but I I want to email this man's boss. I just don't know how you can be so bad. (sighs) Okay, so first of all, the first part, he admits that they did get Amari Rodgers. However, it's a no-win situation. Why? Because Aaron Rodgers isn't there, which means he must not be happy. So they could have gotten a first-round wide receiver, but that still wouldn't be good enough, right? So what What? what are we even talking about? That's stupid. No, they got Amari Rodgers, period. The fact that Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back doesn't matter. You're just assuming that he left because they didn't draft a first-round wide receiver, which nobody thinks that, except apparently you. So that doesn't work. Then you actually, actually, literally, really, seriously went on to say they waited, they dared to wait until the seventh round to get Kylan Hill, who will maybe, maybe be our number three running back, Gio me, poor Aaron Rodgers, man. That guy just has a tandem of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, and they waited until the seventh round? to get another guy. This is this is the case that you're making? He, he, but again, he, here's the situation. He knew that he was going to put Aaron, the Green Bay Packers on this list. In fact, this list was probably made because of Aaron Rodgers. He probably had a brainstorm because every other day you hear somebody say that they didn't do enough to help Aaron Rodgers. And he's like, well, I should do an article about that. So he, the one thing that was automatically filled in was the Packers didn't help their quarterback because that's just an auto-fill. He just didn't really recognize how hard it would be to actually write out a full paragraph explaining it because he's doing a terrible job. It should be easy to to figure out, right? You got the, the lazy first-round wide receiver trope. Then you've got Amari Rodgers, which you have to concede, but then your, your cover-up for that is, well, Rodgers isn't back, so that doesn't count. Then you want to look at running back, which is not a problem. He does say, despite losing Jamal Williams in free agency. So what? We drafted a running back in the second round last year. Then they say Green Bay does deserve credit for re-signing Pro Bowl running back Aaron Jones and using a second-round pick to select Ohio State Buckeye Josh uh, Myers, one of the top-rated centers in the draft, which actually isn't true, but thanks for the kudos, I guess. But it appears that the Packers needed to do more to end the current rift between themselves and reigning MVP. So again, this whole thing is just about, well, he's not back, so you must not have done enough, which is not correct. That that th- Those two things are not necessarily linked. We could have dra- We could have traded everything away for the top receiver in the entire draft. And it, well, it wasn't enough because Roger still isn't back. So anyways, you get the idea. Why don't we take a break? We'll be right back. Please again, check out my uh, Twitter, the Facebook page so you can find the link um, for the Palmer Home for Children. Again, feel free to reach out to me directly if you want to do that. You can give, I mean, as little as you want. You can just click on the little button that says custom. You come up with your own dollar amount. It can be five bucks if you want. Every little bit counts. If you want to support me directly, you can do so at Packer, uh, no, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com. The only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to bluenile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's bluenile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. Bluenile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I was, uh, I did this a while ago, but I was kind of poking around. Uh, PFF had some kind of forecast thing about what they thought. I don't remember what the point of the article was, but they said that they think Brian Burns can be a 16-17 sack guy this year. So I wanted to just look into it just to kind of see how crazy of a prediction that was. Last year, zero players had 16 or 17 sacks, and so my immediate thought was, well, that seems unlikely. Zero edge rushers, I guess. But I started thinking about something that we had talked about a while ago about how defenses struggled last year more so than in previous years, whether that's because of noise, whatever. And so I looked at sack numbers in particular over the years, and I wanted to look at how many times or how many players had 16 or more sacks, but also how many players had 10 or more sacks, because sometimes you get some kind of a freak or flukish thing or whatever, but just in general, how many guys were, let's say, doing a really good job getting that double-digit number, at least insofar as sacks, which is kind of, I'm, I'm trying to come up with some kind of a theory as to what happened and why, It seems as though last year in particular, and it could just be a fluke or some kind of an anomaly, but it's a heck of an anomaly. Edge rushers in particular were impacted last year more than any other year. And the one thing that comes to mind, because if you look at defensive tackles, it's not the case, it's edge rushers. The only thing that comes to mind, at least a little bit, is that without the noise, the offensive lines weren't hindered. That maybe there's some sacks or pressures built in based on, for example, when there's deafening noise and offensive linemen have to look and stare at the uh, the center or, or whatever it is they're looking at to see when the ball is snapped to know when to move. And obviously, if you're looking to your left and then when the ball is snapped, you have to re- you know turn around, figure out what you're looking at and reset. It's a little bit more complicated. It's a little bit more difficult. If you can hear somebody yell from outside the stadium saying hut, it's probably a little bit different just 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 a theory i'm throwing out there i don't really know but i went back to 2011 so that we get 10 years right 2011 through 2020 is 10 years the number of players that had 16 or more sacks are thusly 4 3 2 4 1 1 3 2 5 and 0 so there was 2015 and 16 which were fairly low when you had 1 and the difference between 1 and 0 obviously is just 1 it's very small but if you look at 10 plus it gives you a better idea The number of edge rushers that had 10 or more sacks starting in 2011 are as follows. 23, 22, 21, 18, 15, that was in 2015, another down year, 21, 23, 21, 20, and 11. So outside of that year when there was 15, the lowest was 18, and every other year had at least 20. This year was about half of that. 11 players had 10 or more sacks. None of them had 16 or more. So when I say I expect a bounce back in defense in general, but as Packer fans, be on the lookout, be ready. I'm not just being optimistic because, oh, Zedarius and Rashawn are going to be freaks because I'm a Packer fan and they're just going to be freaks because I know it. I can feel it in my bones. It's based on the fact that last year wasn't just a slight down year for Zedarius or a slight down year for Preston. It was a slight down year for everybody. Right, We we know Khalil. Right? This was like Khalil's worst year of his entire career. Now maybe it's just because he's getting older. Maybe it's because it was 2020. So yeah, I expect Zedarius to have a bounce back. I expect Rashawn to have a bounce forward. I expect Preston to have a bounce back. I expect Khalil to have a bounce back. Again, this does not apply to defensive tackles. I don't really see a difference in defensive tackles. I couldn't find really anything as far as Cornerbacks or safeties with interceptions or pass breakups or anything like that. There doesn't seem to be any kind of an anomaly. There's just a massive drop off in edge rush pressure, in particular sacks. So again, we've I already mentioned that before, but I wanted to bring it up again because it's it's interesting and it adds to a theory that I've already been operating off of that in 2020 defense has really struggled. And maybe it could just be as simple an explanation as. With no preseason, defenses had a hard time catching up. But a lot of these guys did have get better toward the end of the year. Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, um, Amos, and Savage. Maybe I don't know. Formulate, formulate your own theory. It doesn't really matter what it is. Um, kind of dipping back into questions. These are all kind of old, but I've, I've just there's been enough content I haven't really needed them. But we're back in the pool. I had a question here. Didn't write down from who. Is Adams the best Packers receiver ever? I don't know if I've ever actually answered this before. Um, I think I'm on board with Adams being better than Jordy and Driver and Jennings and, and that whole crew, which is an amazing crew. There are two that stand out, though. Sterling Sharp is one who, at his time, it, during his time, was sort of the Devontae Adams for several years. So let's just say if Devonte continues what he's doing for a few years, you could probably give it to him even though some people probably won't because they say his career got cut short. And If his career hadn't got got cut short, he could have been at the top for 10 years or whatever. I don't know. But let's just say I'd like to see at least one more year of Devontae at the very, very top. Not top 10, not like top six-ish, maybe top five. I'm talking top three, maximum. The other is Don Hudson. Now, again, it kind of comes back to how you want to look at things. There are, there are two different camps. There are some where you take history into account and you take the time, the era for what it was. And then there are others who say, dude, if Don Hudson played today, he'd be getting, he just, he would suck. Mm, I don't know. Here's the thing. If you just teleport, you know, 29-year-old Don Hudson onto a football field, is he going to get wrecked? A hundred percent, he's going to get wrecked. If Don Hudson grew up in modern-day America with modern-day, um, training, nutrition, coaching. You don't think he would be where you don't think he'd be good? Why? See the the biggest thing with Don Hudson isn't just that while well, he was good for the era. He was so unbelievably heads and tails better than everybody else. I don't think there's ever been a wide receiver ever in the history of the NFL that stood apart from everybody else as much as Don Hudson. I know it was a smaller game back then. But we're talking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight straight years. He was first team All Pro. He led the league in receiving, and and the stats don't look all that good. But you got to understand. First of all, they didn't have as many games, and it was not an air it out era. It was run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball era. Led the league in receiving seven years. He led the league in receiving touchdowns nine years. This is on top of the fact that he also played on defense and who knows how many other positions. He was a safety and led the NFL in interceptions in 1940. Also, eight-time All-Pro, four-time All-Star. He was just, again, it it it's about separating yourself from everybody else, right? And we've seen guys in the modern era that are just heads and tails of you know Jerry Rice, Megatron, you know Aaron Donald as far as defense right now. It's like it's Aaron Donald, then there's everybody else. He's just different. You know, Aaron Rodgers in 2011. There there really wasn't a close second at that time, right? Obviously, right now, you got Pat Mahomes, you got a bunch of guys that kind Russell Wilson, bunch of guys you can fit in that category. I guess, you know, you had Manning and some other guys. But point is, it's it's about how much better you are than everybody, but also how long he did it. Has anybody ever, outside of Don Hudson, led the league in receiving— seven years and receiving touchdowns for nine years. I don't think anybody's ever done that. And again, it's a little easier to do back then because there's less um, competition, there's less teams. And so, you know, I mean, it, it, it's hard to compare eras, but I also don't think it's fair to just throw out Don Hudson and say, well, he doesn't count. We don't count anybody before 1970, you know, Lynn Swan or later. <laughs> That's it. I, you know, I, I, what do, what do we do? Well, then, can we even count like Aaron Rodgers because he's playing in an era where it's easier to play? Maybe Aaron Rodgers couldn't do nearly what he could do as you could in the nineties or eighties or seventies. Maybe we overrate him. Maybe he's not as good as those guys back then who had no protections, whose wide receivers were getting mauled down the field. You know what I mean? It's just the point is, and this is why I think it's the best way to do it is to just look at that that time period and assume the best of the best are playing, given the rules given everything that's available to you, um, and it's a question of how much do you separate from everybody else. And as far as separation, I don't know if anybody's really separated themselves at wide receiver more than Don Hudson did in that era. So those are the three. However you want to parse that out, you can figure that out on your own, I guess. I don't know. It, it does. It's it's a somewhat interesting discussion, but it's at the same time, it's not. I think anytime you talk about who's the best, it's just kind of a stupid discussion right? Is it Jordan or so-and-so? Like, who cares? You're going to really throw a hissy fit about like the top two or three NBA players and try to decide which one's better than the other? Why does that matter? Were they both just absolutely elite and dominant? Yeah, 1,000%. Every, uh, everybody agrees with that. So what are we talking about? Who cares? And uh, again, it just comes down to what, what's the question? Most dominant? Don Hudson. Most talented athlete? I don't know, Sterling? MBS maybe I don't, know. <laughs> I don't I don't know doesn't it just they're very good that's all I, that's all I know I don't I mean if you want to put Jordy I, I don't I don't care it doesn't bother me they're all very very good they've all been very very helpful to the Packers and, and whatever your criteria is kind of doesn't matter so just do whatever you want to do who cares we'll do one more question here this is from Nico in the Facebook group. He says, you've mentioned before, the Bears are slightly overconfident in their prediction. These are Bears fans, slightly overconfident in their predictions of how the Bears will do every preseason. My question, which fans are more delusional, Bears fans or Cowboys fans? They seem to think uh, extremely positive about their team every preseason, only to come crashing down to reality. I think that's a very good comparison because Cowboys fans are very much like Bears fans at least insofar as every year you have to hear them brag before the season even starts about how good they're going to be. And everybody's so stupid for not seeing it except them. So honestly, I would say Cowboys fans are more so only because Bears fans at least need a little bit of reality to cling to, right? Really good defense. That's all they need. They're off and running. Justin Fields, we're off and running. Cowboys fans don't need anything. They just know it. They, they just go, you know, and, and the fact of the matter is most of them are like fair weather fans anyways. I shouldn't say fair weather. They're just sort of the ultimate casual fans. And that's not to say that there aren't some serious diehard Cowboys fans, because of course they are. But a lot of them really are just, you know, they they latched on in the 90s. They went out and got that Dallas Cowboys starter jacket, just like everybody had a Bulls jersey back in the 90s. And, and it's, again, it's very similar to Bears fans. I remember when I went to school in Illinois, the Packers... Almost never, I mean, literally just didn't lose to the Bears. It's just a thing that didn't happen. So twice a year, I would go to school with my Packers jacket, backpack, hat, everything to school and just walk in all proud and whatever. And I would be, just be a roar of Bears fans saying, Packers suck. Ha ha, Packers suck. Oh. And it's like, w- wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? Why, how are you going on the offensive right now? Did you wa- did you know there was a game last night? Did you know the Packers beat the Bears again for the 50 billionth time? And that's, that's all, it was literally just, ha ha, Packers suck, ha ha, loser. Like, <laughs> what? Wait a minute, that's not how this works. Every time, though, that's what happened. And that's Cowboys fans in a nutshell. It's It's almost like the worse they are, the more arrogant they are. And they just treat you like you're the biggest idiot in the world because you don't see. Oh, well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, yeah, we'll see. Okay, yeah. And look, I mean, there's some things to to sink your teeth into for Dallas this year with Dak coming back. That's kind of cool. You got the three wide receivers. That's cool. You got Ezekiel. That's cool. I still don't think they're going to be that great. I think they should win the division. What, what do they got? The I've, I'm, I'm curious about the Giants a little bit. Eagles should be trash. Washington should probably be trash. Washington will be the exact same Washington they've been since forever. They're a trash team that has a pretty stout defense uh, occasionally, and occasionally a little flash on offense, running back, whatever. And they'll, they'll put away a couple wins, but uh, just overall trash. But you want to talk about glaring holes. First of all, Dallas, as I've said a thousand times, and I've been saying since they had the best line in football, and this is, we're going on like uh, pushing like 10 years now. This, is, this was a long time ago. This was basically a dream. Didn't even happen. Not even sure it ever happened. But supposedly there was a time they had the best offensive line in football. And uh, I remember saying, you better keep stoking that fire. You got to draft somebody. Some of your guys are getting old, whatever. Well, they started losing guys, losing guys, losing, and it's falling apart. So the offensive line's falling apart. They, unless they got somebody recently, they got no tight ends. And the defense is bad. It's really, really bad. And then let's not forget the biggest piece here. Mike McCarthy's still the head coach. So you can bring up Dak all you want. You can get excited about wide receivers, but the guy calling plays is Mike McCarthy, and he couldn't make Aaron Rodgers not look terrible. So, I mean, we can sit here, like I've seen several people talk about, well, you better watch out for Dallas, man. They, they got something in store for you. I'm telling you, yeah, maybe. I mean, when you got Dak and you still got like two of your five really good offensive linemen and Ezekiel, you know, he's probably still got something left in the tank. We haven't really seen dominant Ezekiel in a while, but he's still there probably largely because the rest of the team is falling apart. And yeah, you got, uh, you know, the pile of wide receivers. Eh, Maybe, you never know, but um, it's not much there. But yeah, to, to get back to the question though, dude, there is a calculator button on my keyboard. I just realized that. You know how many times I've been so angry because I need the calculator and it's always closed because I'm a psychopath about leaving tabs open and stuff. And it's like, I have to get rid of this, but I always need it. I just looked over and I'm like, is that a calculator button? Pushed it, boop, calculator's there. It's amazing. There is an email one too, which I guess that's cool. I don't know. That's fine. The home button. I'm sure most of them, What is the home? I'll just, oh, it's Google Chrome Home. Interesting. Um, I would say the answer is Cowboys. And again, the only reason I'm saying that because they're almost identical in the way that they act. Cowboys fans and Bears fans. The difference is Cowboys fans did disappear for a while. And granted... Maybe that has something to do with the fact that it's been a lot longer. I Remember, Dallas was dominant in the 90s, like late 90s, they were, or at least mid-90s. They were, they were dominant. Bears, it was late 80s, and that was a very short period. So maybe we've got another five or so years before Dallas Cowboys fans start to shut up. We, we can dream. I don't know. But the, the thing is, even if they start to be quiet, just like Bears fans, it won't take much. They'll draft a quarterback, and they're going to be chirping. They'll draft, you know, they'll go out and get uh, some defensive linemen. And they'll start chirping. This is it. This is our year. Every year, it's the Cowboys' year. Every year, it's the Bears' year. I don't rem- I'm. I'm serious about this. I've heard Packers fans be optimistic, and I'm sure there are some Packer fans that have predicted, I think we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. I can't remember ever really seeing or hearing Packer fans saying, this is our year. We're going to win it this year. I don't remember ever ever hearing that, no matter how dominant or elite the Packers teams are. Again, optimism. um, You know, I've heard Packer fans say, I think it's going to be like a Colts Packers Super Bowl or Colts uh, Chiefs Packers Super Bowl or whatever. And even that is based on the Packers just being the best NFC team at the time. The amount of times the Cowboys fans and Bears fans have predicted that they're going to actually win the Super Bowl, and I'm saying I've seen this and heard this. This is our year is a phrase that I've never heard the Packers say or Packer fans say. I've heard Bears fans, not recently, but it was every year, every year. And Cowboys fans, every year, this is it. This is it. Watch, Okay, yeah, yeah, doubt us. Go ahead, doubt us. Watch how good we are. What 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 is the psychology of that? What is going on in that region where... You've said this is our year for 15 straight years and you're embarrassed every year. And then there's just, there's nothing. It's like short-term amnesia or something. Like, do you not remember you said this last year and the year before and the year before? You would think it would at least cause you to pause. Like it would, it would be halfway out of your mouth and you go, ooh, wait a minute. I, I've, I've looked stupid for 15 straight years and keep getting made fun of. Maybe I'll just shut my mouth and at least wait a couple weeks and see if we're actually a good football team before I start to make predict. Nope, they won't they're at it. Cowboys, man. Watch out. Watch out. Dak's back, baby. Dacky boy. And it doesn't, it doesn't help that you've got the media hyping them up. I watched PFF talking. I forgot exactly. I I decided not to make it a part of the segment because who cares, but I wanted to see what they said. They were ranking quarterbacks and I think they had Dak number two. One of the guys had Dak number two and I think the other guys at least said they were surprised but didn't really disagree. It's that kind of stuff, and, and Dak is very good, but it's that kind of stuff that's just poisoning their minds. Don't do that because you're just encouraging them. And this is also why you see Dallas Cowboys fans, every t- more than any other freakout videos, you see Cowboys freak-out videos. And I'm talking smashing TVs, throwing TVs, literally shooting televisions because their brain just breaks because for some reason— they can't, not, they, they can't comprehend being bad. So there's this weird moment when their delusion and actual reality are colliding, and they can't get around each other. There's that official breaking moment where it's not possible for your delusion to be real, and their brains break. And that's when TVs all around, the, all around Dallas and the rest of the, the fake world where we're all Cowboys fans, they just start shattering everywhere. Such a weird thing, I know i I love the Packers roster. I fully understand that there is it is unlikely the Packers win the Super Bowl not because they're bad just because it's a, I mean it's technically a one in thirty two shot it's better than that because they have a actual capable i mean you can rule out several teams but okay it's a one in what one in sixteen if you factor in that there are some teams that are going to be good that we don't know and some teams that we thought are going to be good are not going to be and the Packers could be one of those teams you never know so let's call it one in sixteen that's still not very good odds. If if very good teams have a one in sixteen shot, and the Packers are consistently very good, um, sixteen years is a long time, and it's possible Aaron Rodgers got his one in sixteen already, and that was a while ago. There's just no reason to sit here and say this is our year. I know it. I know we're going to be dominant. I know. Yeah, you keep doubting us. Why wouldn't you doubt us? Why wouldn't you doubt you? I don't understand. Who's I, Who who is playing defense for your team? I mean, you do have Demarcus Lawrence, but name name literally one other person. Who? You got Randy Gregory, who's probably going to be in jail by the end of the week. You have nobody on the defensive line. You have no real corners. I know Trayvon Diggs, you guys are all excited. Fine. You got one guy who graded out as the 58th best corner in football, but I'm not allowed to say you don't have a good corner because that's just going to cause all kinds of problems. Fine. You got an elite corner who is 58. Leighton Vander Esch has fallen completely off a cliff. Jalen Smith also has completely fallen off a cliff. So much so, which again, Dallas Cowboys fans probably don't want to do it, to admit it, but you drafted Micah Parsons number twelve overall because those guys are falling off. This defense is bad; it's just bad. They're going to get picked on a lot, and so I mean, and even even the wide receivers: Amari Cooper ranked thirty second, Ceedee Lamb ranked fifty fourth, and Michael Gallup seventy eighth. You've got one guy that was barely in the top thirty two literally 32nd, and that's Amari Cooper. This is not an elite football team by any metric. You've got Mr. Uh, Zach Martin, who's very, very, very good, playing, I think, guard. Um, you got Dak Prescott, who was graded ninth uh, when, you know, for whatever he played last year. Ezekiel Elliott ranked 49th out of 70 running backs. So uh, yeah, go ahead and get excited, Cowboys fans, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, the, I guess we'll pick on Cowboys fans today. I don't know. It's just, I mean, it's just it's just bad. There's nothing wrong with, and I say this every time, it's probably getting old, with being a little bit optimistic. And and, and again, maybe there's something here, but you you guys aren't going to be very good. You're not a Super Bowl caliber team. This is just not good enough, especially with Mike McCarthy. I'm sorry. I, I like Mike, but the guy, he's got nothing left in the tank. You shouldn't have hired him. He's, his offense has run stale. He's not the guy that's going to figure out, okay, we got the wide receivers. And by the way, the reason Cooper, Gallup, and... Uh, What's his name? Probably ranked as low as they did is probably partially because of the offense and the system and all that stuff that you were running. And Ezekiel Elliott being fiftieth is not surprising for a Mike McCarthy offense. So I don't know. I I, I guess I should just be I, I should just be happy for you. Because at this point you guys are so annoying. I hope that you guys get your hopes up as high as you possibly can. So that I can watch you smash another T V by, you know, mid November when you've won four games and it just the the realization just comes smashing right in the face that this is another really bad year. But, anyways, I gotta get going to bed. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Sunday. I will talk to you tomorrow when we do our Malcolm Reed interview. Otherwise, have a great day. I'll talk to you all.